It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right. Eight minutes after the hour. Hour number two of Green and Growing. Glad you're here on a Saturday morning. So the Facebook page is already pretty active. Rex is on there. Jay and Gina all checking out uh, the video I just posted. I'm able to do this stuff in the commercial. I'm able to multitask. I have so many short videos on my phone to eventually get out and share with all of you. Um, and it just takes some time. I don't want to post one video after the other after the other. But uh, had a good time in the WSB courtyard the other day with Rick Smith, the pruning guru, and Bruce Holiday, landscape architect. And we took a, a lot of different videos just to teach you all things um, as they were observing different plants in the in the courtyard here at WSB. We have a beautiful courtyard. And also Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees and Tree Advocate, she was here as well a couple of days before these guys. And we made a video, and I guess I'll just go ahead and tell you. Uh, we are going to organize a pruning class in February. Uh, Christy's going to teach it. I'm going to just be there for the refreshments. Um, but that'll be at WSB, and uh, it'll be right here. So maybe you'll get a tour afterwards as well. And I appreciate her offering that. I want to do more interactive things with all of you uh, like that. We went to the Cox Arboretum in Canton, Georgia. Owner Tom Cox was gracious enough to show myself and a small group of you around uh, a few weeks back, and that was a, a lovely Wednesday afternoon. And this will happen on a Saturday, this pruning class with Christy, and may have some other guest experts join us as well. Uh, but always stay up to date with opportunities like that on the Facebook page. And I'd love to do some other things, touring some landmarks around Atlanta with all of you and give you the opportunity to get out. And we'll do like a little garden club together. I uh, can't guarantee how many times a year it'll be, perhaps maybe three opportunities that I can get on the calendar. So we'll start with uh, up next, Christy Bryant and do one here at WSB in February. So that's going to be really fun. 404-872. Oh, good morning, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is up listening as well. 404-872-0750 is the number. Here it is. David in Tucker calling the show. Hey, David, welcome back. Hey, uh, I'm I'm ready to push the button and, and go for spring, but I understand the calendar is not going to cooperate with me. No, mm -mm, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, people are complaining about it being cold this upcoming week, and I'm like, well, this is kind of where we're supposed to be in the middle of November. So who knows? It could be back to 80 by Thanksgiving. I don't really know. So very true. Yeah. Uh, a couple of questions. One is uh, all the plants you were naming after visiting University of Georgia, are those available commercially or are those just plants they were working on? Not yet. They're not retail yet. Um, there are, you know, similar varieties or whatever, but these plant breeders have worked on these specifically for their color, for their aptitude, all that kind of thing, hardiness. Um, so that should be a lot of what we see in the nurseries coming up. I don't know how long it takes. That'd be an interesting interview. Don't know how long it takes to get from those trial gardens and then manufactured and then out to retail. That could process could probably be a year or so, but some of the really common, um, manufacturers or breeders that we know, you know, like we know, um, proven winners and all of that kind of thing, classic caladiums. I'm somewhat familiar with them. So yeah, I mean, coming to a nursery near you soon, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, other question. Um, I keep on running across um, non-native witch hazel. I was thinking there might be some merit to getting native witch hazel, but what are the pros and cons of witch hazel in, in general and native versus non-native? 
I would do a little bit of research. Um, one of the great, great websites and organizations around here is the Georgia Native Plant Society, which is GNPS, Georgia Native Plant Society, gnps.org, and do a little bit of research on the native versus the non. Of course, they're going to promote native, but give you the reasons why. I don't necessarily think that's something that's going to get invasive. But overall, not speaking to witch hazel specifically, David, but the overall benefits of providing native plants and having those in your landscape versus non-native. Yes, you have a lot of non-native species, perhaps from Asia, uh, that do tend to be invasive and it's just hard to knock back. But when you have those native plants in the landscape, it attracts all of the the bio life and wildlife and birds and things that are, you know, used to those plants in this area and kind of keeps the ecosystem balanced. Now, I know witch hazel, I learned this last week, um, I was doing a garden talk down in Peachtree City, and I wanted to talk about the American beech tree and how it is marcescent. It is one of the trees in the wintertime that does not lose its leaves. And growing up as a kid, I always saw it in my parents' backyard, and it just had, you know, crinkly brown leaves that it held onto all winter long when everything else was bare. And in doing a little bit of research, that was the only thing I knew that was marcescent was um, an American beach and come to find out which hazel is as well. So that could be one of those things you see as an understory tree that's going to hang on to its leaves. So I didn't know that, did you? No, I was yeah. I was not. Uh, I, and uh, I agree with you. Uh, you know, when, when I have an occasion to get something that's native versus non-native, I'll always go for the native. I'm literally just having trouble finding the native variety. Because um, yeah, every time I turn around, it's like, oh, that's an interesting name. Oh, that's an interesting name. Where is it from? Oh, Asia. I was like, mm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that noise you just made, absolutely. I mean, we think about wisteria. Uh, we think about my gosh, privet. All of that. If it has Chinese in the name, it is not native, obviously, uh, and it could really become a factor in the landscape. Now, just quickly on the Georgia Native Plant Society website, I did try to search witch hazel. And don't see anything coming up right away. Um, have you tried Pike Nursery too? Um, not all the Pike Nurseries. I've I've called around, and so far I'm just getting the uh, the non-native stuff. That's one reason I give you a ring. Okay, and also another one that probably could help you out with that too is the uh, Arbor Day Foundation. A lot of times when they provide information or sources of trees, they're going to point you in the right direction as well. Going through the Arbor Day Foundation. <laughs> Oh, I did talk to Pike. Uh, I've talked to one or two locations. They have not had any witch hazel of any kind, if I recall. Okay. Yeah, that could be one of those things that maybe sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just shopping their trees the other day, but that's not one that I happen to look for. So, yeah, David, I don't know. I mean, native is the way to go, and and you know that, and you're on the right track, but um, it may may involve digging a little bit deeper to find the the native kinds. Right, right. Well, it'll be worth it if I can I can locate it then. Absolutely. And gosh, I mean, the really, really attractive, you know, yellow flowers and all of that. I mean, it's just a good a good tree to consider for sure. It's something fun and something different in the landscape. You know what else is different? I remember this. One of Walter's last shows, somebody called and asked about, uh, I think it was Harry Louder walking stick, that tree. That is such a cool hmm. tree, too. Yeah, if, if y'all don't know what that looks like, it's a very gnarly looking tree and it's so cool. Um, but just, you know, things to have in the landscape when you're looking for something that's a focal point and something for people to talk about. Uh, that was a really neat one, too. I don't know the backgrounds or the merits of it or anything like that, but uh, really cool. Harry Louder's walking stick plant, too. Also, something to think about when you're uh, you were talking about uh, people buying uh, 
plants not realizing the height yeah. is also when you're going to plant uh, something, realize where your utility lines run. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Okay. Georgia 811, all you do is 811, call them and they come out and mark them for free. Gosh, you're right. Well, the ones in the ground, but also uh, for height purposes, oh. the ones in the air. Yeah, no, you're right. And see, and I, you know, that's something that I, I, I hate to hear from gardeners who are so upset that the power company came and butchered my crepe myrtle or butchered my magnolia or whatever, but they're doing what they have to do to keep, you know, things from catching fire. So, yes, they mm-hmm. do not have professional pruners on staff that I know of. I mean, the crews just have to come and cut whatever it is away from the power lines and you're left with a really ugly tree, not shaped at all. But, I mean, that's really not their realm. You know, they're just there caring more about the power line. So it's kind of a, a give and take. You can't you can't blame them. Um, but yeah, yeah just I mean, project it's ahead, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's going to grow tall enough to be a power line issue in the years to come, you don't want to set up a, a problem, you know, avoid it by planting the appropriate tree in the appropriate place. So it's not going to grow into your uh, power lines. You're right. And something Bruce mentioned, Bruce Holiday in that interview at six o'clock, which I'm glad he brought up, you know, we get all excited about dwarf varieties because we're thinking, ooh, that's going to be really nice and short and stay little and stay compact and not necessarily it's just dwarf compared to what the parent he gave the example of a holly that can typically get 30 feet well the dwarf that really means it's going to get 15 feet that's still huge so doing the research and knowing what you're buying whether you talk to the nursery talk to other gardeners and what I try to help too is some background info um, on the Facebook page I've got a photo album called highway horticulture and I kept up with that and started that when I was still producing for Walter Reeves and add to it every couple of months identifying trees that you see out in nature that you may see in someone's yard that looks stunning at some point of the year, but letting folks know, hey, this is the identification of this tree or this plant, but also here's what you can expect, the growth size. So when you're thinking about shopping for plants, you're absolutely right. The more research you do, the more people you talk to, or you see it out in nature, you kind of have a feel for, wow, the tree that I'm getting ready to buy in a three-gallon pot looks small now, but it could actually get that big. Ooh, may want to reconsider. Yep. Also, just uh, since we seem to have a moment, um, I have been told that Region 8 may be creeping into the metro Atlanta area for for planting purposes. Is that true? I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. Uh, the USDA puts out that 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 map, and I just don't know. Um, gosh, I hope not. But it is it it is seeming to get you know more mild winters that we have here for sure. Yeah, that plant hardiness map still has us in Zone 7. I hadn't heard different. Hmm. I'll keep my ears Yeah, closed. someone was telling me that, that they were starting to consider anything south of I-20 potentially Zone 8 because I had some plants that were actually being, the bulbs were being sold and they didn't rate anything closer than Zone 8. And I was going, well, is that appropriate for here or not? Well, so, and there is such a difference. You know, a lot of the research that Clint Waltz and folks, you know, in the horticulture department down at the University of Georgia Griffin campus do um, that is probably the southernmost part of metro Atlanta that can somewhat relate to colder temperatures in North Georgia. But yeah, anything south of that, they're kind of talking about different growth habits and different temperatures and things like that. So that does seem to be kind of a dividing line um, to where, you know, okay, now what we grow south of Griffin may not have the same characteristics and perform the same as in the North Georgia mountains. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely keep up with that through the USDA, see if they plan to readjust the map. Last I know, 
they readjusted it, I think, around 2010 or 2012 or something. I have not seen a more recent version. That's just the one I reference, but uh, we'll see. Very good. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Thanks. Always good to talk to you, David. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. 404 750 DeMarco has a question for us when we come back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. The update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today it is foggy. That'll burn off, but it's still going to be kind of cloudy. A high of 62 and isolated showers throughout the day. Mostly sunny tomorrow, but we're going to pay the price. It is going to be cold. It's going to be a high around 52. And those highs, which aren't really high, continue into the week. But it's November, so that's what we can expect. 404-872-0750. So DeMarco, my producer here, and Anne is screening the phones. Uh, DeMarco, you heard me talking about holiday cactus, right? We're talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas cactus. And you had a legit question about another holiday plant. Yeah, um, I'm a big artificial tree guy. Okay. I have, I've always had an artificial tree, my family, everybody. But this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting a real tree. Oh, my gosh. But... I don't know. How, how do you keep it alive? I'm never home. Like, is there anything I have to do? What do I have to do? Well, and at least you don't have cats to worry about. And is little dog Lisa going to be disturbed by a real tree or Lisa, she'll probably leave it alone? She, she knows her boundaries. Yeah. She knows not to touch certain <laughs> things. So we'll make that clear. Good. So I'm glad you're considering a real tree because to me, I had them every year growing up and, and John and I still carry through to the tradition. No tree farm, cutting our own, me and sharp objects, probably not a good idea. But I'm glad you're considering it. It's easier than you think, DeMarco. So all these things about putting Sprite in the water of the tree stand or these products, this green globby stuff that, you know, is supposedly going to keep the tree alive longer. None of that necessary. Water is key. And it's going to last for up to five, six weeks as long as you keep it watered. The base of the tree should never be, you know, the water level should never be below the base of the tree. So you always got to check that water level and keeping it away from a heat source, too, because it's going to dry out quicker. When you put the mini lights on it, yeah, that's a heat source. So that contributes to drying it out. But uh, not near a vent or anything that's going to be, you know, running the heat. And if you need it to last a little bit longer, you can get technical and get a humidifier, you know. But I think it's kind of set it and forget it. And I know you're in and out a lot. Just stick your finger down there. See that the water level didn't get too low. Keep the water level. You can do it, man. So I can't overwater it. No. Right? I've no. done that before with plants. But. Yeah. I know we talked about your grandma and her yeah. green thumb and all of that. Overwatering, underwatering. It's a, it's a tough science to figure out. But also making sure when you get it from a tree farm or a nursery, they make a fresh cut for you. About a half inch or one inch fresh cut so that the water can be absorbed more easily. Um, and if they don't do that, you need to do that before you bring it in. Great question, my man. Thank you. I'm doing it this year. I'm, I'm encouraging you to do tree. it. See, there you go. 404-872-0750. Yeah, we're thinking for, for Christmas and the holidays. Why not plan ahead? We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Rocking and rolling halfway through the show. And you know, I just typed up something on Facebook to share with all of you uh, as soon as the show concludes at nine o'clock and Dave Baker like literally kicks me out the door to get in here for the Home Fix It show. I just typed up this really great post and DeMarco had included you and all kinds of things and then I hit the wrong button and it all went away so in another commercial break 
I'll do that again. Uh, just always making sure there's good content for you on the Facebook page. You search Green and Growing WSB. And I've also mentioned wsbradio.com slash green and growing for a whole nother subsect of garden events where you can find those. Uh, listening to the show is a podcast, uh, commercial free. I think you listen to one or two short little commercials, and then you can listen to each hour separately if you want to go back and reference something. Um, that'll be there on Monday. I'm going out of town this weekend, so I'm not going to get right to that. But Monday morning, I guarantee you, it will be up for you to listen to at your leisure. 404-872-0750. And a heads up, you got Mike Boozer in the traffic center telling you about uh, all the stuff around Metro Atlanta to avoid to watch out for road work crashes and the like. And literally on my way in, coming south through Marietta, goodness gracious, they're working northbound on I-75, pretty much in the left lanes the entire way from, say, Northside Drive all the way up past Delk Road. So allow yourself a little bit of extra time. It's not too bad right now, but to get through there, and that is my route out of here. So I may want to think about an alternate route. We'll see how how much construction backs things up. All right, back out to the phones we go. Uh, Carolyn in Lilburn is calling this morning. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have a question about some plants I bought last week, and okay. I haven't put them in the ground. Do I need to bring them inside the garage to protect them from this weekend? It depends. I have some dianthus and some pansies and some violas. Oh, okay. You got all kinds of good stuff. So uh, no, no, no. You do not need to bring any of those three into the garage because they're all cold tolerant and they're really going to thrive off that colder weather. I'd plant them as soon as you can just so they don't dry out in the flats. Yeah, but no, leave them outside. They're going to be just fine. The pansies and violas, you know, when you plant those in a garden bed or in a pot, well, in a garden bed, you want to maybe eight to 10 inches apart so they can really fill up. Uh, but in a pot, you know, you can space them a little bit closer. And then I think you asked Anne about uh, dianthus as well, right? Yes, I have some dianthus now. I think that's an annual. It, it, it's a perennial, so that means it, it comes it back is a every perennial, year. So yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, mine. It, the pots are kind of small, so I didn't know if they'd freeze because there's not a lot of dirt around them. Yeah, but, uh, they're not really insulated in the flats and in the pots, no. no. But um, yeah, the dianthus is a perennial, so that's, you know, put that in a place where you want to keep it because it's going to come back. And this time of year when it starts to look like, once the stems die, they almost look kind of straw-like, kind of hollowed out and become like a light brown color. But you just kind of cut those and you think, oh, no, it's dying. But it, but it's not. You know, pull away the dead stuff and they'll come back for you in the spring and look really, really good. Um, and I wanted to ask you, too, when you talked to Anne about those, not only those plants, but you mentioned thrift. And that is a conversation my mom and I had not too long ago. I want to see what plants you actually got. If you got thrift or if you got flocks, what did you buy? Well, I thought that thrift was a type of phlox. It looks like thrift. To be honest, I'm not sure what the name on the pot says. Okay. So I always called what is phlox, I always called it thrift as well. Um, and a lot of people still do, and that's not wrong. But I guess a way we could keep it straight is the phlox is that light purple color. I think there's a white as well that really grows like as a ground cover. It spreads. Whereas the thrift... Okay, I think that's what I have. Okay, yep, so creeping flocks. And then yes. the thrift, which I have not planted, but what's technically called a thrift is like a, a low-growing kind of grassy mound-looking plant. Um, so, yes, the flocks, I kind of had a feeling that's what you what you might have. And it's the creeping flocks. It's so beautiful. People put it out at the mailboxes and things. It enjoys full sun. That being a perennial as well, too, Carolyn, no need to protect it you know you can get it in the ground just as soon as you can water everything when you first plant it you know to get it established but even if it does start to die back and look a little weak you know it'll come back pretty strong in the spring in the spring 
Thank you for your help. One other question, sure. if you have time. Sure. Do I need to prune my, uh, look, well, I can't even think of the name now. It's it's a perennial, and it's blooming now, but it grows so big. Uh, Is it a shrub or a plant? No, it's a plant. It's a, uh, you were talking about hellebores? it earlier. Lenten rose, hellebores? L- uh, lantana. Lantana. Do um, I need to prune that back before I, it dies? Because it will lose its leaves, even though it's a perennial, right? Yes, it will lose its leaves and look really bare and twiggy throughout yeah. the winter months. Um, I've I've not grown lantana myself. My mom's got it, and she's got Miss Huff, which still got huge, really big. I've read conflicting things on what times of year to prune it. Um, so I, I don't think it would harm it now, but... The reason we're careful pruning things now, this is just in general, not for lantana specifically, but because anytime you prune something, it tells the plant to grow. Yeah, (laughs) and then we're going to get this cold snap and that new tender little green growth is going to be, yeah. So I would kind of advise against it, but you look at the just brown, leggy, twiggy stuff all winter long, but really probably to be on the safe side, since I'm not fully educated on that, Carolyn, I would wait till February, March. And I know that's... A number of months to look at it when it's ugly but february march is really a good time to prune it so that it has room and energy for that new spring growth thank you for your answers i appreciate your program yeah thank you very much i appreciate you calling and have fun with all those new flowers i'm jealous will do you're gonna have a beautiful yard when you're all done <laughs> thank you thanks carolyn yeah that's so exciting to go to the nursery and just fill it up fill up that cart with all kinds of things um i love pansies and violas i really do and there's such a a fall staple, but um, dianthus is just really, it's still that same delicate little flower that's a, just a good bedding plant, and it just is so much more hardy uh, as a perennial. So I, I like putting that in a bed and just, you know, I fill in some bare spots with new plants every now and then, but generally speaking, um, it, it thrives and it, it stays pretty hardy. So uh, kind of looking around Facebook here to see what I want to share with you. I also wanted to tell you about the newsletter um, on wsbradio.com. When you sign up for my newsletter, it goes out every other Friday. Uh, The articles that I wrote, we talked about the beauty and the ease of holiday cactus. And I take some of your calls as well that I think really will will pertain to, you know, more of a population of gardeners and kind of narrow answers down for you. One was, um, God bless him, I think his name was Tony that called last Saturday. And I really enjoyed talking to him or maybe it was Tom, and he wanted to plant bamboo. And I I loved it. We had a good conversation. And by the end of it, he had kind of convinced me, okay, well, maybe I can give you permission to plant it, but just please be responsible when you plant it. Please be careful. Um, And I wanted to do a little more research because he's like, you know what? I don't like my neighbors. I want that privacy. I want that up there. And I was like, are you sure? And he seems pretty sure. Um, But I tried to give out some other alternatives. Bamboo can be really, really cool if it's maintained, I think I saw it recently. Uh, we were on the Rivermont golf course actually this week, and there's a little patch of it. And I looked over at Superintendent Mark Hopin, and I went, what is this? And he said, we maintain it. It's a different variety. It's bamboo, but it just, for where it is, it worked. And I know people in the industry know how to do it responsibly. But in doing a little bit of research, um, what I told the caller last week was digging a long, deep trench. If you're going to plant it, that trench needs to be about two feet deep. I mean, you really got to put in the, the sweat equity to prepare the space. And then whether it's aluminum flashing or some kind of rubber mat, 
that you're going to want to completely lay down in that trench and cover so that the rhizomes can't spread. And even when you're talking about aluminum flashing, yeah, that's weird to think you're putting that in the ground, but it needs to come up above the soil level a couple of inches so that the rhizomes don't try to spread up over it. So it doesn't need to be ground level. It needs to come up even a little more. So that's one thing to do if you're going to plant it. Another, uh, the University of Georgia has a publication actually out on bamboo and recommends considering clamp, uh, clumping types, not clamping, clumping bamboo types because they are non-invasive and only spread an inch or so in diameter every year, according to the University of Georgia. So there, there is a possibility to have a bamboo um, that, that clumps rather than spreading, and that might be kind of a cool look if you just want it in a small spot near a pond or something like that. And then of course, there's always a house plant. You know, lucky bamboo. If you want your bamboo fixed, just get that, keep it in a pot, and uh, it can stay in the house. But so my recommendation, because I'm just leery to be the one on this program to say, yeah, plant bamboo. And then like English ivy, your neighbors in the future or the future homeowners of your property are going to hate me for having given you permission to do that. Um, some alternatives, some alternatives to a privacy border, um, something like little gem or teddy bear magnolias or two that I did a little bit of research on. It's a magnolia. It's still going to get large, but it's not going to get like your southern magnolia. That's really good because magnolias, we know, have the big evergreen leaves on them, and they keep their leaves, and the trunk can get fairly large. So those planted next to one another could be a good privacy um, border. And also arborvitae, cryptomeria, of course, evergreens, like conifer-type, um, that have a nice shape as well. Uh, little uh, green giant arborvitae is a good one. Cryptomeria are so cool. And I learned this from Tom Cox, who's the owner of Cox Arboretum and has written a book with John Reuter, actually, uh, from the University of Georgia. They wrote a book, uh, Landscaping in the Southeast for Conifers. And Cryptomeria, I, I had always seen this needle-like tree that started kind of bronzing and turning brown, kind of a uh, bronze color, really. And that's normal for a Cryptomeria, but it's still going to keep foliage on the tree. So that's kind of a good one with a nice shape. And hollies. Uh, at the top of the show, you heard uh, landscape architect Bruce Holiday talking about hollies. And that's really a good thing to consider as well because of their density and because they're evergreen. Of course, just an added bonus is the berries and attracting wildlife into. But Burford, uh, Yopon, just a couple of hollies to consider. And they're fast growing too. So they're going to be a nice privacy, privacy shrub uh, to keep the neighbors away. So 404-872-0750. A question about pruning. When we return in the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, it's Ashley Frasca with you this morning on Green and Growing. Well, the fog will start to burn off, and it's going to be a little bit of a chilly day and isolated showers, according to Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz, with a high in the low to mid-60s, and then really chilly tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies. Highs only topping out, not even in the mid-50s. The full forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. Once the leaves dry out a little bit, number one, I want you to rake them. You can rake them up into garden beds, under trees, under shrubs. Just don't bag them and put them out for the uh, for the garbage men. But you could replace the mulch as well under crab apples and dogwoods. That's going to help prevent disease. Neaten up the perennial beds. Add some mulch there. Remove dry stems and dead leaves. The still be rutabecchia, any of those things. And uh, they're perennials, so they're going to come back. Number two, fill your bird feeders with black oil. Oil sunflower seeds. Those are really good for birds this time of year. They're high in uh, fat, I believe, 
and that's going to be good for like cardinals and those kinds of things. They eat the seed and then it's not going to drop down onto the ground, attracting, you know, unwanted pests like chipmunks and rats. And number three, fertilize again anything you plant or have planted. The pansies, the snapdragons, uh, cabbage, uh, the ornamental kale, maybe dianthus as well. That's come up a lot on the show today. Uh, Just use a powdered water-soluble fertilizer. You can switch to something a little bit stronger, maybe December through March to keep those going. All right, back out of the phones we go. Mr. Baker calling from Atlanta. Hey there, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. My question is about hydrangeas. I've got a couple that are very leggy and just leaves at the top of the long stems. I wonder if I should cut them back. What kind do you have? Do the flowers grow like in a sphere like the mop head or are they the cone-shaped like panicle hydrangeas? I think they're the mop head. Okay, like the blue and purples and stuff? Yeah, the light pinks and so on. So we want it, the macrophylla, we always want to prune after they're done flowering, like late summertime, because that's okay. a whole, not to get too technical, but they bloom on old wood. So they don't like bloom right away on the new growth they put on in the spring and then ban their flowers. No, it takes like a cycle. So when you, when you cut them back after they're done flowering, typically you're not going to disrupt what you'll see next spring. Okay. I would leave them uh, if you still want the amount of blooms next spring that in summer that you had this spring and summer, I would just let them be. I know they look leggy, but uh, I mean, if you want to cut them back, you can. You're just going to have less flowers uh, next spring. How far back should I cut them? Uh, when you do cut them back, I would be selective in which stems you take out. Just kind of take a stem here, take a stem there, and you can go all the way back to the base of the plant. Okay. Um, All right. Well, they've done, they're past blooming time. So, yeah, yeah. It's just like one of those things like azaleas and rhododendrons, too. You want to prune right after they bloom because they're, those are going to immediately start to prepare for the next spring. So, cutting them this late is going to disrupt, you know, what you see as far as blooms. But also, when you're there, when you're looking at the hydrangea, uh, this is something Bruce Holiday just went over with us, landscape architect in front of the show. Take out all the leaves and things, pine cones that have gathered there at the crown, down at the base. That's so mm-hmm. important to remove all of that stuff. It's just a wet, soppy mess that sits at the base of the plant, and that can lead to disease and, you know, the decline of the plant. So when you're getting in there, it's worth, when you've got your garden gloves on, removing all of that stuff, too. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. That's a that's a good call and a good question. And I guarantee, uh, I told folks listening at 6 a.m. this morning, starting next Saturday is my Outdoor Expert Series. Three weeks, three Saturday shows in a row where I'm going to bring you experts who know way more than me about different topics. And over those three weeks, those three Saturdays, we're going to be covering things like tips for managing deer, golf course management, but sustainable planting there as well. Year-round pruning tips. I will bring you a long interview with Bruce Holiday and Rick Smith, the pruning guru. And we talk about hydrangeas. We talk about pruning azaleas. And that's all stuff you're going to need to know. They may be able to give it to you in a more simplistic way than me that's going to help you remember how to do those things. And information on tree preservation. And get this. I interviewed a member of the Rolling Stones. Not going to tell you which one, who it is. The topic might surprise you. So all of that coming up in the next three shows as part of my Outdoor Expert Series. Back to your calls when we return next on WSB.